Hello, folks, and welcome to the third episode of the Tea Talk podcast. This podcast is called To Be or Not To Be, and it's in relation to what myself and John Lynch, my guest, will be talking about. Um, our topic today is something I want to kind of delve into, and it's the idea of body dysmorphia. And it didn't really only, it kind of didn't um, come into my, my thought process until I was talking to John Lynch. And we were just openly talking in the gym one day, and he goes, well, I suffer from body dysmorphia and coming from my last podcast, you know, I got insecurities about my height. I said, Jesus, this would be a nice thing to talk about. We often hear female dysmorphia, but we don't often hear from the male aspect. So to introduce John, John is my boy, right? Not only is he one of my good friends, not only is he one of my teammates on the American football team, the Rex of Eagles, he is also a client of mine, albeit not this week because he had a wee, uh, a wee trip and he uh, had a wee boo-boo on his knees for a while. His fault, not mine, all right, so he can't see me. Um, so, yeah, debatable. I'm going to let John have a wee introduction and then we'll start from there. Yeah, look, I mean, Tom, I think you said it there. We were just kind of chatting. Uh, we've been friends for a good bit now. Uh, as you said, uh, talked about before. Usually ends up a disaster when we hang out and do stuff. Hence the knee. Uh, yeah, we were just chatting talking about the fact that you know body dysmorphia is a thing and how we could possibly help normalize it we've both had experiences with it so I think obviously I kind of acknowledged mine years ago but maybe you just kind of realized in the sense that you probably suffered a little bit from it too yeah 100 percent um it's it's weird because we all look for especially in the climate we're in now we all not not that we look for but labels are thrown out willy-nilly now um, and dysmorphia was a thing I never really thought of I never really associated with my height I never thought that that insecurity about my height would be a, um, a body dysmorphia um, scenario on your body dysmorphia John because like, listen you're a man about town if you meet John Lynch folks he's the happiest person you'll ever meet unless unless you're 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 his employee in little and you're trying to pack some shelves then he's not the happiest because you're super slow like I was okay um, so, John, I want to know, how did your body dysmorphia fester, or how did it begin? Um, what resulted, as uh, what, what kind of occurred as a result? And, um, yeah, go from there. Yeah, cheers, Tom. Uh, for me, it was, when I was younger, I kind of had a, a, it's called an actual underbite on my jaw. So my bottom jaw actually was a hell of a lot longer than my top jaw. So it kind of created this weird thing going on. Bit of a Jimmy Hill, as I think lads used to call it. Um, yeah, I, I was kind of become more and more conscious of it as I became a t- teenager. Obviously, you get a bit of slagging in school. It just kind of affects you. But mine was bad enough that I qualified for an operation. So I had to go down to court, get it all literally broken, sewn back together, metal plates in my jaw. Uh, this all happened when I was just finished first year of college, going into second year of college. And I had ace first year of college, grand flying. But it kind of took me, it was a very weird thing. Like when after the operation, I suppose I built my hopes up so much that it took me a while to readjust to my new face, if that makes sense. It's a very strange one to kind of, kind of compute. But in that, that was probably where my body dysmorphia really kicked off. Uh, and that kind of kicked off a few different other things for me. I became, as you said, I'm quite a social person, but I became withdrawn and a bit like, I don't know if numb or paralyzed is the word. But socially, I just couldn't, outside of the people I lived with, I couldn't like drag myself to go into college, which was a really strange thing. 
And yeah, after that, it was just dealing with it and, and facing up to it and trying to figure out what it was, I suppose. So what would be considered a positive, the operation where you kind of fixed um, the, 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 I don't even know what you call it, underhand, do you call it? <laughs> Underbite. <laughs> Underbite, underhand, I don't know what that is, right? Um, underbite. Um, did that essentially lead you with more problems than you previous had, albeit visual problems beforehand? Now you're suffering from more mental problems, more insecurities, more... Um, I suppose, oh, what would be the word? Um, more negatives and positives even uh, after the surgery. I think, and this is where the body dysmorphia comes in. For me, what I did and I found myself getting into the habit of after my operation was looking in the mirror to try to acclimatize myself to my face, which is, again, it's a weird one. But what happened, as you said, it kind of drew negatives out. So what I would do is, Instantly, when I looked in the mirror, I saw a photo of myself. I would literally straight away talk or think to myself a negative thought about my appearance, and that just kind of snowballed out of out of control, I suppose. Uh, so I, I just couldn't think positively about myself, and that's that just got me to yeah, weirdly dark place, which is it was yeah, it was tough. I'm not saying poor me or anything, but it's just people can't go through that, you know, and you don't want people to. Like you can become very lonely and very isolated on the back of that. You don't want people to go to that place. Some people will, but you don't want them. You want them to realize that that is very normal. And there is ways and means around things. Like I sought help when I was in college. And that's when I was kind of shown what body dysmorphia was and what that had led to for me. And it kind of just opened my eyes. And I was like, wow, right. Okay. Now I understand it. Now I know what I need to put into place. Mm -hmm. To, to get out of this kind of road or this this I don't know spiral I suppose you would call it so after that yeah I, I started putting things in place for myself like little things to detract like just distract your mind to kind of get it off that bad kind of bad train of thought Wait, I suppose about yourself yeah. yeah so yeah it's a strange one but it is all about kind of facing up to it and seeing what you can put in place to kind of get get things done I think now as much as I I, I, I think as much as I'd like, like to say it's not the case it is the case I think males find it harder to come to terms with anything that's a body issue for them you hear body dysmorphia if you hear anything about the body automatically you think uh, oh um, it's highlighted by women but it's not highlighted by men we, we don't raise the issue enough that men can suffer body dysmorphia men can be um vulnerable when they're when they're talking about their bodies men can suffer the exact same thing as women but women seem to highlight it more we're kind of we're, as much as we'd like to say we're tough creatures we're, we're very emotional on the inside and, and it hurts us as much as it hurt women and when we kind of we kind of shy away from bringing light towards topics like body dysmorphia and um, like obesity anorexia all things that women suffer and males suffer too, but we don't highlight it as much and we suffer more in silence. Um, but a good point you raised, John, and it's, it's, it's huge, it's putting things in place to help you cope with things. Like, I think if we, if, we, if, we don't, if we don't know our own body and we don't know what works for us, so a busy mind uh, is, is the single most important thing for me. Say I, um, especially back in, back in the day when I, when I was smaller, I used to hate my height. 
but there was some positives to it. Rugby was one, albeit though I, I still get smashed and thrown around the place. My high had a lot of advantages, so I always looked at the positives. Now, it's easy to look in the mirror and compare yourself to everybody else. You're like, oh, I'm not the same. Um, but once you have those tools in place where eventually my tool was was to block out anyone that um, negatively viewed my height. Um, instead of them making a joke about it, I'd always make the joke yeah, first. So I'd make people aware that I know my height. You don't have the power to take um, my height as a negative because I fully know where I am. I accept where I am. And it's up to you to deal with whether you like me or not. Because if you don't, that's fine. I don't need to deal with you. If you do accept me, well, then, yes, we, we can carry on this conversation. We can still be friends, etc. Yeah, like what you're talking about there is really disarming someone before they even get the opportunity to, to load up in that sense. And that, yeah, that's definitely something that I took on as well. Like you, you make jokes about yourself and how that's, I think that's a very male thing to do as well to deal with problems. Like that's maybe how we do it. We, we take, take the power out of other people's hands before they can actually use it, which is a strange one. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's probably not the healthiest either, but it's a, it's a coping mechanism that I've dealt with. And uh, well enough, I had someone say to me, like, someone says, Tommy, you, I would have known you were five foot nothing if you didn't bring up your height all the time. And I was like, it's such a natural reflex. I don't yeah. know if it's a positive or a negative thing, but she was kind of saying it as in like, why do you do that? But I was saying it's, it's so integrated with me now that despite you even knowing what height I am, so we could be talking over this, I will mention my height in somewhere along in that sentence within it. On Tinder, I will mention my height somewhere along the line just because I don't want this girl to come over thinking she's got a six-foot, dark-haired, tan, Greek shepherd-looking bombshell and instead she gets a super-tan Shetland pony it's, with the libido of, a, of an African stallion. <laughs> Um, on this topic, and it's and it's and it's quite a nice transition into it. We're in a we're in a climate now where there's two two sides going on. There's the body shaming side and there's the body positivity side. Now, I kind of want your input on this because you've suffered body dysmorphia. You've suffered probably either ends of that spectrum. Um, do you have a side? If you do have a side, which would you favour towards? Or if you don't have a side, what's your argument to both? And then I'll kind of bounce off you from there. Yeah, I don't I don't know if either I don't know if I really have a side on that. I think both can be positive and both can be negative in very different ways. I think you, you really have to I mean it's something we've talked about before where you have to know someone's personal circumstances. Like if if someone was taught to you the same way they talk to me, they wouldn't get the same reaction. You know, and I go back to again something we've spoken about before where say you brought it up already. Like I'm managing someone in Lidl. If I manage every single person in the exact same way, it's going to react differently. From I'm going to get different results from every single person. Like that's just a natural thing. That's every single person is unique and they react differently to everything you say. So I think people can buy into stuff like that far too easily and kind of get this thing of, oh, why is why am I doing that? Why am I doing that? And the perfect example is people on Instagram where their fitness lifestyle and they're living it up they're going to the gym every day they're eating healthy and you're like how can I just not just get around to doing that and it's unrealistic targets like these people are targeting audiences to make money for themselves and that can be unhealthy and that's you know that's then trying to be like body positive and all that but it can be seriously unhealthy because it, it creates envy and jealousy and stuff like that and and it's unachievable yeah, for a lot of people. 
especially on the body. Now, listen, I'm all for body, body positivity. As a PT, I want people loving their skin that they're in. Okay, I 100% want them to be in love with themselves. I'm in love with myself, right? I may carry a bit too much tin at the minute as a PT, but I'm in love with myself regardless, right? I'll check my arse out in the mirror. Damn right, I will. Um, but I seen someone. Uh, I was I seen a client of mine. We we're talking and female, and we were chitting, uh, sitting down and we were chitting and she goes, "Tommy, you know what's annoying me at the minute? All these people throwing their body positivity messages at us and taking um, pictures of their cellulite, where they're like searching for their cellulite, or they're they're bending over and they've got three rolls on their side, and they're like, oh, listen, I'm comfortable in my body." She goes, she may have three rolls in her body, but I've got a bakery when I look in the mirror. So sometimes the where it's like, oh, she's giving out about her size now, where I am maybe further down the line. Sometimes we have to be aware of that what we're promoting is nearly as harmful as what the body shamers are doing. Now, body shaming is bad too, right? You should never make anyone feel uncomfortable about the body, the skin that they're in. But you also should make people aware that being a certain size is, is unhealthy, either end of the spectrum. If you're too skinny, that's unhealthy. If you're too uh, overweight, if you're obese, that is unhealthy. It leads to uh, diabetes. It leads to increased risk of heart disease. We have to be aware of both sides. But my thing on it all is we shouldn't place judgment. Opinions are like arseholes. Everyone has one, but you don't need to show your arse to everybody. So... I don't know what someone's going through. So like, for instance, in work at the minute, I have been focusing more on business at the minute as in trying to get the business going, make sure everything's clicking, making sure that we can still stay open despite the weather, despite the, the, the situation that we're in in regards to the coronavirus. So my time and my motivation towards working out are probably low. Do I hold myself accountable for a bit of weight? Okay, no, because I, I need that time to make my business grow. So if I do gain a bit of tinge during this period, that's fine. I accept it because as a result, my business is growing. Uh, for I'm a, My business is growing. When my business is kind of under control and I've got everything, then I can go back to working out and then I can focus on my body a bit more. We're all at different points of our life. As you said, no one is the same. So we shouldn't place judgment upon, on others because what, how I deal with stress, I eat. I play PlayStation. But I'm happy with that because I know that's how I deal with stress and it, and it works for me. And then other people throw themselves into workouts and they get super fit and they get super rigid. And when their life comes back to normal, they might add a bit more to tin on. But that's fine. It's completely natural. It's an ebb and a flow. We shouldn't place judgment on others for how they deal with the situation. We shouldn't place judgment on others for being super fit and super healthy. And, oh, they shouldn't be, they shouldn't be healthy, too healthy. That's it. No, that's fine. They do what they do. People that sit on the rest do what they do. It doesn't matter. Judgment shouldn't be passed because you never know what someone's going through. Yeah, hundred percent. Like that's that is definitely it. It is this. I think judgment is key. That that is what you need to focus on. And and as you're talking about, you're finding like different balances, like way to balance your life. And that that's exactly what you need to do. You know you're in control of that. So just reassure yourself of that, and you know you can come back to it when you need to do, to do it. So. You, you've got something, John, and I. Um, it's something you said to me ages ago. It was it was off one of your favourite movies. What's that motto that you live by now? Because it's it actually got me. I was like, Jesus, John. Well, it's 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 not profound or anything, but it's just the way it was said. And it was a very recent movie. It's just kind of something I was like, you know what? That's that's pretty cool. And I don't usually buy into mottos and stuff like that. But it was like that is a very cool way to a very I don't know, just kind of resonated a little bit. It was like. It's actually at the end of Jojo Rabbit, which is a, a hilarious, hilarious movie. 
strange context or strange story and all that, but the quote or the motto is it's let everything happen to you, beauty and terror, just keep going, no feeling is final. I was like, well, yeah, that that makes sense. Like that's I mean it's vague, yeah, but it's just right, isn't it? Like you it kind of builds you up and you just kind of take it on take it on the chin, I suppose. Pardon the pun for myself, but take it on the chin and pass yeah. on like that. That's exactly it. A little bit of fun, yeah, mate. A little bit of fun. Um, and it's like, I think, it's a nice transition. So we've talked about it, but it's more for you talking about body shaming versus body positivity. And um, I'm going to lead into something that we probably don't really talk about much. And it's, uh, well, we talk about it a lot, but it's probably not brought on a system uh, like a podcast as much as American football in Ireland at the minute. And the reason why I like talking about American football and I promote American football is me and John are two completely different shapes, right? As in John is six foot and I'm barely reaching past the grass, okay? But we're both able to play in the same team and have the same impact. Um, and it's another thing when you talk about body body positivity and, and, and body shaming is like, this is the one sport that fits everybody. And as much as I like to say that um, you need to have a six pack to, to be really healthy. You need to have, you need to be able to run five miles in 20 minutes. You're not. To be healthy at a sport, you have to be functional at that sport. I know lads that don't work out very much. There may be, if you would visually look at them, you go, ah, listen, those lads are uh, a bit obese. But on the field, they are absolute animals. I mean animals. They are exactly what they, what is needed to play that position that they're in. And then you look at someone like me, who's a tiny bit smaller, you're like, and you see all these big lads, like, oh, there's no place for him on that pitch, where there, there is a place for me on that pitch. I mean, we manage it. What do you think, um, how do you think American football has benefited you? How do you think it's benefited others in um, a position where, say, soccer, you usually have one, one, one type of player you think of, like, like slender bills, fast, can do everything. Um, and how do you... Um, and how do you see the influence of American football increasing in Ireland? Yeah, look, that that is, to use your word, Tommy, you gave me crap about using it last week. Uh, that's the allure of it. That's the allure of the sport. Like, literally any body type can fit into this sport. Like, you can find a position, you can find the use for yourself while also getting fit, getting a level of fitness that maybe, you, you know, people can shut off and go, oh, look, I've put on a bit of weight. I'm never going to play football again. You know, I'm never going to be able to play this sport, never play a bit of guy again. I'm not got fitness, not got the body shape. But, but this sport, you can find it and we can build that level of fitness and it caters for all, as you said. Like, me and you were quite polar opposites in a way, but you're a skill position. If I was to go up against you in a skill position, you'd kill me. But I'm up front on the line and if you were to go up against me in front of the line, I'd kill you. So, like, you can dominate your part of that field. Debatable. Uh, yeah, you know what happened. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, look, it, that, that's, that's what it is, and that's, that's the beauty of the sport. Like, it can be, it can cater for everyone, and it can cater, like, you know, we have, like, the most eclectic mix of guys on the team that some have played sports, some have never played sports, and they've come up and just been naturals at it, and it's fantastic to see that. But as the sport grows, like, yeah. there's more and more people in Ireland now getting into it. I mean, everyone knows about the NFL. Most people in Ireland now watch the Super Bowl once a year. Like, we need to engage with this because not many people know yet that you can play 
football in Ireland, you know, and that's that's maybe the next step for us to really keep pushing that. Like it, we've been here what five five years now, and there's still a lot of people in Wexford yeah. alone that don't realise that there's a club in Wexford. So that's our yeah, no, hundred percent. Keep pushing that. Um, the other thing I like about it is is the team concept of it. Now, as much as I like, like I'm, I grew up playing rugby, rugby for years, and still love it to this day. Uh, my brain doesn't because I've got a few, uh, few far too many concussions. But there's when you look at the roster of a of a rugby team, there's 22 players on it. When you look at the roster of a, an American football team, there's just roughly 50 yeah. players. There was a position for everybody. Whether you're a beginner and maybe you need to be brought into the game slowly, well, there's a position for you. Whether you're advanced and you're maybe a bit faster, there's a position for you. Where you just want to toss lads around for fun and eat breakfast, uh, eat full Irishes every morning, there's a position for you. There's a position for everybody. But it's the one thing about American football that has allured me than any other sport is the fact that no matter where you are, no matter what physicality you are, no matter what level of fitness you are, it is there for you. It is like the perfect fitness class for, for somebody because there's always there's always a position available for you. Um, it teaches you teamwork. It teaches you leadership. It teaches you um, hard work. It teaches you core skills that sometimes as kids we learn and we never fully appreciate these. But when you go out into the working world or if you go out and you're trying to socialize with friends, like we're all from di- different backgrounds. Yeah. There's lads on that team that played Dungeons and Dragons and there's lads on that team that played sports their whole life. And yeah, it becomes a perfect mould. Yeah, absolutely. It becomes like a family. I mean, I think the perfect example is something that we did this week where obviously like last year we lost our mate Billy. He was a coach with us, but we've kind of come together and strange times this year because we were hoping to celebrate in many different ways, but we were trying to figure out how we could with the whole coronavirus thing. And one of the guys, Trevor, came forward with the idea of a 24-hour relay in full kit, which someone from the team was always running for 20, 24 hours. And we, the whole point of this was we were going to raise money for a trust fund for his son, Finley, so that when he you know, becomes 21, he, he can do what he wants with that money. Like he, he, can, he can set himself up. He can go to college. He can, he can travel the world. He can buy a car. But it's, it's our input to... to being there for, for Finley, not to say to make up for Billy, but definitely to do our part for Billy because, you know, we all feel responsible for Billy and, yeah. and taking ownership That's... of that. But everyone came together. I suppose it's just... It's a brotherhood that you develop. And that's what I try to... As much as I try to... Um... Like, oh, listen, I, try, I sometimes try to find negatives in reasons of not playing team sports. It is the single best thing you could do no matter what sport it is because it, you're, it's a coming together and like you said it's people from all aspects but so a tragedy happened a year ago for us and it was terrible and then in a year's time we're all coming together we're rebuilding this we're letting people know that despite what happened we are still there for them and um and, and it's just and it's so nice to see the generosity of people. Oh, 100%. Like, I think uh, ultimately we raised over 4,000. I think we're euro, standing at about four um, and a half at the minute, which is fantastic. Yeah, 100%. Um, and on that kind of on that kind of goodwill note, we will leave it there, folks. Um, I'd like to thank John Lynch. Um, I'll see him later on, yeah. so I don't, <laughs> don't want to lick his arse anymore than I am. I'd like to thank John Lynch for coming on, folks. Um, John, it's been a pleasure. Um, 
hope the knee's healing up after your wee boo-boo, and I'll probably see you later on for a coffee day. Thank you, folks. That was episode three. Tune in next week, or actually the end of, uh, start next week for episode four. Thank you, Neil.